One thing great about uh, coming of the Holy Spirit is that Holy Spirit really empowered people, gave them lots of energy, passion, power, and also there were a lot of miracles happening. But I think, in my opinion, the greatest miracle is a miracle of koinonia. I mentioned to you about koinonia. Koinonia is not just having coffee after worship. Uh, it's koinonia word meaning fellowship, but it doesn't mean just having coffee after uh, worship and chit-chatting about anything. That is not what koinonia is. Koinonia, in the word koinonia, there is a, uh, or uh, the meaning uh, of sharing your material, sharing your money with each other. And that's what happened. That's a miracle to me that the whole community brought, they sold their lands and whatever profit they had, they brought it under the feet of the apostles and they shared. Uh, as uh, needed. So that miracle of uh, Koinonia is the greatest miracle that Holy Spirit brought. In other words, uh, the people were of one heart. Uh, they didn't do it out of obligation or dunchiba uh, about others. Oh, that person gives and so I have to give. And it wasn't like that. Or they didn't feel pressured in any way. They didn't uh, give out of guilt. Is it just pure care for the community? Uh, one heart and one mind. Uh, Karl Marx uh, said, nearly every human attitude and action could be traced to economic sources. In other words, everything that people do and say, when you look at uh, the bottom of it, there is some kind of economic uh, reason uh, there is. That's how Karl Marx saw. And also uh, Martin Luther said, the biggest idol is the security. Security, security is the biggest uh, idol. So Luke, talks about money a lot. Uh, a large amount, amount of acts is dedicated to economic issues within the community. But it's not just in the Acts of Apostle, but when you read Gospel Luke, his first book, he talks a lot about money too. For example, Parable of Debtors in chapter seven, the Good Samaritan in chapter 10, the Rich Fool, chapter 12, the Unjust Steward, chapter 16, the Rich Man and Lazarus, chapter 16, and Zacchaeus in chapter 19, and the Parable of Pounds, chapter 19. So all over the place, he talks about money. So when you look at Luke, to Luke, 
wealth is not a sign of divine approval. It is rather a danger. It's not a sign of a divine approval, but it is more like danger. I mean, security can be dangerous. It can be idolatrous uh, attempt on our part. And some people uh, said that money is idolatrous effort attempt to secure immortality. Yeah, you know, of course, when you die, you cannot take your money with you, but you give out to your children and you leave names, fame, and all this. So you want to continue living. It's an idol idolatrous attempt to secure immortality. So the money uh, is a big uh, uh, issue uh, to all of us. And then a lot of people really talked a lot about money too. So I believe that uh, being a Christian means to overcome our uh, idolatrous attachment to our property and money. This person, black person was uh, being baptized. Uh, did I tell you that? No, right? I was being baptized. I'm in the Baptist church. You get baptized in the river. Uh, they all go there and then they get baptized and then they do full immersion. And then uh, the pastor saw this uh, black man coming, uh, uh, coming towards him, and, but he didn't take out his wallet. Uh, in, in the back, back pocket. So you, for, uh, you forgot to take out a wallet and then the man said, baptize my wallet too. I think that is so profound. Baptize my wallet too. So uh, being a Christian, you cannot get away from dealing with this uh, money issue. Money is not a sign of blessing for ourselves. Money is a gift to be used for God and for others. Let me just I'll tell you again. Money is not a sign of blessing for ourselves, but it is a gift to be used for God and for others. We are only stewards of our money. So I want you to discuss together what do you think what I said. Money is not a sign of blessing for ourselves, but a gift to be used for God and for others. The early Christian community uh, overcame this greed for money. And that is great miracle. And you see Barnabas. But it wasn't just Barnabas. There were all people did that. Uh, Simon, can you read uh, 432? Yes, I... Uh... 
Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. Yeah, so it wasn't just Barnabas who uh, gave uh, what he had. But Barnabas uh, was kind of model. Maybe he was the one who started this whole thing. And he was admired by people. Barnabas was a Levite. In the Old Testament, the Levites didn't inherit the land, as you know. When they divided the land, 11 uh, tribes received portion of the uh, land, but the Levites did not get that portion. Instead, instead, 11 tribes were supposed to take care of the needs of Levites. But when it comes to New Testament in Jesus' time, the Levites also had lands uh, and they were quite wealthy. And Barnabas uh, was quite wealthy too, but he was a Levite. He shared uh, what he had uh, with other people. And side by side, there is Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, uh, Barnabas' story comes out in chapter four. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira uh, story comes out in chapter five, but this is arbitrary chapter. Uh, when Luke wrote it, he didn't write it in chapters and verses. There was no chapter and no verse. Only much, much later, over 100 years later, people started putting verses and chapters so that we could e e uh, easily uh, read it. But when uh, Luke first wrote it, he didn't write in chapters. So he wrote it side by side story of Barnabas and story of Ananias and Sapphira. Why do you think uh, Luke put it side by side? Uh, and another question is, what was the problem of Ananias and Sapphira? Uh, I mean, as Hajjong raised the question, isn't it too much uh, for God? to do so. Uh, so for, like modern people really, it's very hard to understand uh, what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, but uh, it is early church community. So uh, I want you to reflect together. What was the problem, main problem of Ananias and Sapphira? And uh, Hejong uh, asked a question about church, so the name uh, church, where it come, came from. And then only uh, once or twice, I think twice, uh, only uh, in Mount Matthew, uh, the word church was used. Uh, that when Jesus said, uh, Peter, on you, you're the rock. On you, I'll build a church. Uh, so uh, he used the word church. Church meaning ecclesia. Ecclesia meaning uh, being called out. Uh, but in the beginning, the early uh, uh, Christians did not attend the church necessarily. They didn't call themselves church, but church was just used as a kind of ecclesia. It's almost like a synagogue, almost as a, a, a synonym 
uh, for synagogue. So synagogue or church, same thing. But uh, later when uh, Christianity and Judaism were divided uh, exclusively, the Christians started using a church as their gathering. And then uh, Jewish people use synagogue uh, as their gathering. So um, that's how uh, it has been developed. So after uh, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, there was a fear of God. Uh, so in the early church, uh, Christian community, not only there was excitement, but also there, there, there was proper respect for God. I think we should have a proper respect. Uh, fear of God is not really being scared of God. It's not phobia about. Uh, fear of God is uh, utter respect for God. So in our lives, we should never take God's uh, salvation and grace for granted. I think that's the uh, worst thing that we can do. That we always uh, should have uh, respect and fear uh, for, uh, for God. After this story, the... Uh, Early Christians, uh, the Peter and John and disciples were uh, imprisoned. But there was another miracle uh, story. The, the angel came and then uh, they freed. They were freed. I mean, they, uh, they tried to, uh, they imprisoned them. And then the next day they tried to uh, put them on the uh, question, but uh, they weren't there. But they were freed, not for themselves, they were free to go out and proclaim the message. And they were imprisoned again. So the, the freedom was not just to freedom, to give them freedom, but also but uh, to show God's power. So it's a miracle uh, that was happening. So it shows that uh, that God was working really hard. So nothing can stop them. Nothing can imprison them. Uh, even if they're imprisoned, they were freed to be freely uh, be able to uh, proclaim the message. And then uh, these disciples were very, very uh, bold. And then I rather listen to God uh, more than people. And that is almost the uh, same as what Jesus said. Uh, Simon, can you re uh, read Luke 12, 4 and 5? Sure, Luke 12, 4 and 5. Uh, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that can do nothing more. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Yeah. Peter was so filled with the spirit. All the teachings Jesus taught just came to him. Uh, Peter, when Jesus said all these things, he didn't even understand. Nothing got into his head. He heard it but he didn't understand. And then no disciple really truly understood. That's why when Jesus was arrested, he was so uh, fearful that 
uh, he denied Jesus even three times. No message really got through uh, the heart of the disciples. But when uh, they were really filled with the spirit, the message just came to uh, Peter. He didn't quote it, but uh, this message was in the background of his Paul's and P Peter's mind when he spoke that I rather listen to God rather than uh, listen to people. So they were filled uh, with the spirit. And then, so they were imprisoned again and these people were almost trying to kill them. I don't know whether they have power or not, but they even tried to kill them. But somehow again, in the, uh, in the beginning that uh, the uh, angel came out and freed them, this time Gamaliel came out and freed them. Gamaliel was a very, very famous uh, scholar. And then he is a famous uh, teacher of St. Paul. Uh, and then St. Paul said, I am uh, the disciple of Gamaliel. Uh, he was very proud of uh, that. Uh, so Gamaliel is a grandson of Hillel, most likely. And Hillel was a, the most important uh, scholar in Jewish uh, the, the culture at that time. And then uh, Gamaliel, uh, he was a Pharisee. He stood up and very wise thing. You know, just leave them alone. If it's uh, not from God, you'll die. But if it is from God, you will continue and you'll be the one who uh, will, uh, what is it? Uh, who will go against uh, God. What do you think Gamaliel's uh, wisdom discussed together? And in what way was his speech prophetic? Okay, last portion. So they, Gamaliel, somehow Gamaliel's message was agreeable. I mean, uh, they, they agreed with uh, Gamaliel's message. They kind of thought that it was good idea, good wisdom. So they all accepted Gamaliel's wisdom and then uh, let the disciples go. Uh, and that itself is a miracle to me. And then they flogged them, whipped them. But you know, this whipping, uh, flogging, is not a light punishment. Some people die. This is 40 minus one whips. And 40 minus one pl plus uh, at the end of it, there is a, a metal or bones. So every time you're uh, whipped, your uh, your skin the, 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 uh, get torn apart, but they were jo overjoyed. They said they came out in joy. What does the, what does this tell you about an attitude? Our attitude towards life, even in flogging, they were they rejoiced. Rejoiced. Okay, these are brief summary and introduction about.
chapter 4, uh, 32 to chapter 5. Any question before we are divided? Are you clear what you're going to discuss about? What topic? It's a very difficult topic. Uh, money is so sensitive and it is so personal and it affects us so deeply. Even the church, when there's a problem with money, there's no solution. Uh, so when problems uh, involve uh, money, uh, it gets really messy. And then money, because of money, families get divided. Uh, friendships uh, are destroyed. So money is a really huge issue. We don't want to talk about it, but it is a big issue. So what wisdom can you impart with others? Hmm. Any wisdom? Veronica, did you take note of some of the good stuff that was said? I mean, there was a lot of good things that came out. But I don't remember all of them. Well, some we were saying, um, well, money is a sensitive topic and it's really hard to discuss. And But also what... Is it the money itself or is it what we do with it? Also, is it how much money is enough? Um, I think we talked about, yes, we need money to live, but how much is enough? And then if you get more money, you want it, you want it more. So where does it stop? Um, and then we also discussed Money itself, maybe not the problem, is how we treat it. Like you said, we're stewards of money. So we're just the caretakers of money, right? Like that's the word steward, as I understand the word. So we're not supposed to keep it, like hold on to it for dear life, like we do or we want to. Um, what else did we talk um, And also we, we feel guilty for calculating about money. Like, you know, we need to discuss money like amongst our spouse, I guess, or family and think about like, how do we deal with like, you know, the house and car or, kids activities and like we feel guilty for it too I think um, 
for calculating and 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 sort of using it for ourselves as well. Maybe that's why. But yeah, money's a it's just a difficult topic. Helen, mm. did you have something? I have a question. I said, Muksaim, does anybody come to you or Muksaims? Does anybody come to you for financial consulting? To use money spiritually? Does have you ever like have you ever given like practical, like okay, okay, 10% more thing, but but how to think about money has have you have like has any congregational members come and discuss? Because it's it's really real. I mean mm. and do who do you go to talk to about these things? It's all kind of left to our own accord to decide, mm. um, you know, prayerfully. No, that's not true for my case. But I mean, um, <laughs> but, um, but I wonder, like, I do, like, does it happen in a practical kind of way um, when you are talking to people and I don't know, to new newlyweds or like, is there anything practical, like? Um, things advice given because it's like give it wholeheartedly like it, it's the same it, it's so individual I mean it's so I don't know anyway I, it's just it just it just dawned on me like it, has anybody really approached you okay this is how much I have like how should I use it like mm -hmm. kind of anyway. well, I'll, I'll let Reverend Kim answer that but <laughs> when you're first starting with it I thought you were going to say has anyone ever come to you and laid their entire wealth at your feet? <laughs> that would be no. No one's ever done that. That never happened yet. <laughs> I mean, money is such a private matter, too. So it is really hard to talk about, too. But, I mean, uh, to answer your question, uh, not really uh, in a regular setting, but uh, during premarital counseling, uh, I cover financial responsibility and stewardship uh, in the marriage, uh, but not like what you said, like people, they have lots of money and then they come to me and how should I use this money? Um, I, I can probably there were maybe a few stories, but not regularly people do that. Yeah. It's a, they think there's a private matter. I mean, for making money, they do a lot of consultation with other people, but yeah. How to spend? Uh, not many. But probably that's better counseling than how to make money. Don't you think? Well, isn't it, wouldn't it be good to have something like that? I don't know, a seminar. I know that it's a sensitive topic and I know, I don't know how many times even mentioned during sermon, but I'm thinking, yeah, that might be a very good um, um, seminar topic or something, even for young adults, right? Because uh, we were talking in our group and Chris was mentioning how She's never mentioned, you know, to her kids um, 
about, you know, I mean, she's never told me to do anything, she said, um, but especially about, I guess, giving um, and offering and things like that. So I think, you know, where would people learn? I mean, we could teach it to our kids, but if we can't do it, then I'm wondering if something that church can do. I don't know, is it too sensitive? I don't know. Oh, I think it's a good uh, seminar topic, yeah. You know how when we love someone, we want to give to them and we want to be generous. So I guess it, it's a measure of how much we love. So I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, newlyweds and things like that. It's like you just can't give enough to that person and you want to give. You want to give, 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 give everything. And you feel like you can give your life to them. So it's a measure of how much love. So how much do we love God truly? Um, not, not a matter of um, conscience, uh, like yeah. I should because uh, I have, or I should because others are, but it's just something that comes naturally. And I'm thinking back to uh, what, Jisuk said uh, last week about, I think it was Jisuk that when it's, uh, th things just follow. If you have love, then things follow. No, Ver Veronica was saying that, you know, it just follows if, if you have that um, love, that's the starting point and then the rest will follow. Mm -hmm. I agree that, yeah, it's a natural thing. I think it's uh, it's not something that we have to force, but it's just you know giving supposed to naturally follow if you if you love somebody or if you love God. So it's uh, so yeah. When I was in the early ages, it I had a 그런 had a 그런 생각을 많이 했어요. 내가 이거를 막 얼마를 해갖고 you know set a rule 해갖고 이거를 가르쳐야 되나. But I, I follow the natural route. If you if you know if you love somebody, you naturally give. You know, if you love your community, you give, right? And 그거는 바보가 아니면은 다 아는 거는 거니까. 그거는 그런 in time 그런 게 오지 않을까요? I'm I'm hoping. <laughs> anyway, I think there needs to be explicit teaching. I, I, I think it can't, you know, actions do absolutely speak louder than words. I get that. And certainly the more you give and how you are, um, how you act with your children, I, you hope that they follow through and you certainly hope that they learn from your actions. But I also believe that there needs to be explicit teaching. I just remember growing up, my father always said, you know what, God was gracious enough to give you everything you have, 10%, he's only asked for 10% and that's God. You know, and so there needs to be that explicit kind of teaching. It doesn't mean that they still will do that, but I think that it's important to have that kind of uh, explicit teaching as well as modeling for our kids as well. Yeah. So, I mean, the desire has to come naturally, but discipline has to come uh, after that. Once we have desire, we need to put that into discipline. 
I mean, we can, we can think about giving all you want in your brain, but if we don't put that into practice and disciplines, then we can never uh, give. So I, I think once you set the amount for your living, we all need money for living, uh, then you, you have to think about how am I going to spend this money? That's where we need prayer, we need prayer and discipline. How am I going to use uh, this money that I have? So we, you have to budget that giving budget, not just living budget, but giving budget. So within the giving budget, you need to creatively think about how to give. And I think that 10% that is called in Korean Shibiljo is a beautiful practice that uh, Korean spirituality, Korean uh, Christians established. And also that as a tradition in the Old Testament too. Jewish people were very smart about putting things uh, to a limit, to the limit. Uh, in the important things such as money, food, time. They set a limit for time, Sabbath, money, ten, uh, the, the tithing, and then food, there's regulation so that we don't go beyond our limit uh, with these things. And so 10% uh, for the community that you belong to it is something that we should practice. But beyond that, that is not the maximum. We also have to be learn the generosity. I think that's what it means to be a Christian. Uh, not just for the church, but for in your daily living. How can we cultivate generosity? So you become a giving person uh, rather than calculating person. So that is something that we need to continuously put into practice. And it can expand. Your limit can expand in that way, day by day, as you practice it. Any other? idea yeah i think i'll yeah so the yeah the giving to that's why we, uh, for jewish people they, they have the this hebrew word right called zedekah uh, so literally means righteousness but it's commonly associated with the, their charity and philanthropy so in other words like um that giving is a part of their ethical living and responsibility i mean that's a deeply ingrained part of their spirituality and and that that i mean i i'm kind of with Anne on that they that's taught it's not it's uh, led with example but then it is i think they openly talk much more about giving and money and things like that uh, for some reason yeah i don't know maybe in our uh second generation korean culture we've um what i sense is there's a shyness uh to talk about oh, that's personal that's private but i think maybe uh, and as lily said maybe there needs to be more education and uh, we do need to talk more about it i think 
Because I've seen that with their young people. I don't know if example alone is going to do it. I think they see their parents giving, uh, but, uh, it, you know, example only goes so far unless there's teaching. And I, I think that needs to be the case yeah. from having done ministry with our youth and young adults now. Um, uh, Reverend Simon, as you were speaking, um, a little, you know, skepticism, my little skeptical mind was saying, mm -hmm. but the the Jewish people apparently, you know, they have to they have to show their their T4s and all that kind of stuff. So there's not a whole lot of trust. <laughs> They're not, you know, expected. We know we trust that you tied. You actually, it means that it is expected. Like it's being drawn from them, okay. um, extracted from them, rather than it being a voluntary giving thing. Yeah. Right, yeah. Where's, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, where's that from? <laughs> Showing T fours and all. No, so no. I, 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 I understood that you know, uh, in the community, that huh. there was some kind of expectation that you had to prove this or that. And I mean, if that's the case, then mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. it's like being voluntold, right? Sure. So I do. Sure. Yeah. Huh? I, I do believe that there needs to be a balance, right? Because yeah. I agree with you. You have one side where it's very ritualistic and very, uh, very much expected, and you're right, voluntold. You have the other side where you say, "Well, follow me. You see what I do. I hope you. I hope you get there." So definitely, I think there needs to be a balance of both, right? Yeah. That's important because I don't think our children just develop because they see. I think oftentimes it's what we teach them as well as what we model. The problem is if we're teaching them and our walk isn't the same, well, they're not gonna follow our walk, but it has to be in line with our, what we talk must be how we walk. And that's how our children say, you know what? That's the right way to go. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a funny story uh, when my, my older son, Remo, when he was a little boy, he had a bag of candy and I said, so I was teaching him to share and I said, you know, if you share, it tastes better. <laughs> and so he obediently shared. And then he came back to me and said, that's not true. It doesn't taste better. <laughs> but the message is, is that really, if you share, then you all taste a little bit of it, that it, it's that much more precious, right? But he called me out on it. He said, that's not true. It doesn't taste better. I mean, uh, I have a Jewish friend. And he said, I don't know whether that's true or not, but he told me that, uh, I mean, the tithing was expected. So if let's say you have a certain personal situation in that particular year, then these uh, uh, people go to rabbi and then they have to negotiate with the rabbi that this year for so-and-so reason, I cannot do full tithing. And then rabbi uh, gives exemption. That's how they work. But you may say that, oh, that's not, that's voluntary then. That's, but in, in Protestant situation, do we take it a little too casually? You don't, you don't even think about coming to me and asking me. 
I can't do tithing this year or something like that. So we have taken advantage of. So as Anne said, maybe finding balance uh, there is very important. Yeah. But we need to cultivate whatever it is, we need to cultivate generosity. And in generosity, there's no absolute amount, but your generosity has to expand day by day. As faith grows, your generosity grows too. It's a proportional. So your generous life, the life of blessing others, rather than uh, looking for being blessed, you find, look for uh, ways and opportunity to bless others. That as faith grows, that has to proportionally grow too. But it's individual, it's your individual uh, decision. And, and then you need to grow in that way, concretely, not just abstractly, your faith, but concretely. Yeah. Okay, uh, we don't have much time, but Ananias and Sapphira, side by side with uh, Barnabas. What do you get from that? <clears throat> Jesus, why don't you share your thoughts? Or you're muted. Uh, I was just saying that um, side by side, well, just wondering whether um, when Barnabas gave, he sold everything, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next stories of Ananias and Sapphira, and, and you know, sometimes I, I wonder if whether, you know, Barnabas did it out of his heart. He loved the community he wanted mm -hmm. to give back. Mm -hmm. I wonder what was in their heart when they sold everything. Mm -hmm. um, whether, like, I wonder if it was because they wanted to give back or whether it was because, you know, they wanted something else, maybe recognition mm -hmm. that they're giving, maybe recognition from the community that they've done this great thing. So, like, um, their motive is, is quite different. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, um, like how you give, I think it's, it's, it's what's in your heart. I think that's uh, what's very important that uh, mm -hmm. that that more behind the giving. Yeah, I mean uh, that seems to be what uh, Peter was saying in a way. That uh, I mean, a lot of people gave. It's not just Barnabas. They are everybody uh, gave out of their heart, and they gave everything that uh, they had. But only Barnabas' name was mentioned because probably he was a model. Uh, he was representative. He may be the one who started. So he was revered and recognized. And then uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they didn't have to give everything, but I mean, uh, Peter said, you know, even before you sold it, it's yours. Even after you sold it, you, uh, it is yours. Why did you lie? In other words, they, wanted to get same recognition as uh, Barnabas, uh, but they didn't want to give uh, uh, out of love for the community, but they wanted that, uh, that uh, kind of recognition. So they were aware of uh, what, what other people look at me, uh, think of me. 
So the community until then, it was very pure. They just did it out of love and out of care. They wanted to take care of people who are in need. But all of a sudden, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, uh, they uh, use it to get glory, to get recognition, to be like a competitive spirit, to be better than other people or to be revered. Uh, uh, so when this kind of uh, false uh, piety becomes the uh, entered into the community, uh, that's what Peter was very upset uh, about. And then our faith has to be pure more than anything else. You don't need to look great. You don't need to look good. You don't need to go, uh, look righteous. You don't need to uh, have all the answers. That's not what uh, true piety is. As broken as you are, as little uh, you have, as, uh, as uh, many shortcomings you, uh, as you have, just be pure before God. You don't need to uh, be conscious about other people. Oh, I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm supposed to this and that. So you start doing this false uh, piety and then hypocrisy. Uh, then that is the beginning of false piety that you are cultivating. And that destroys the community. And then in modern days, that be, has become uh, really uh, uh, the corrupted spirituality. In a lot of Korean churches, why they fight about eldership? It's all because of recognition. Because they don't get any recognition in society. They, they want to get recognition in the church. That kind of spirituality and piety are not healthy spirituality and piety. And that was what's going on. Uh, so we need to be very, very honest with God uh, about ourselves. That's the beginning of, of spirituality. Yeah, one of the things that really bothered me about um, the Korean church community, like, you know, when they do offering, they always announce who mm. did what, like Shibuto, they say out loud. Like, I remember them, them reading, it, it wasn't at our church, but anyways, I remember them reading out, so-and-so comes ahogum, so-and-so shibucho, so-and-so, you know, they they did this at the announcement time. And I was like, why, why are we, do, why are, why are they doing that? What's that? Like, <laughs> <that's every> Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> But you're not no, saying no. that during prayer. <laughs> but but when not he actually when he time. does that, yeah, when he does that in the prayer, I I I kind of like it because well, tithing it's tithing, but usually when people do Thanksgiving offering, they indicate why they're thankful, yeah. and and I I like that actually because I get to know more about what's going on in their situation and why they're being thankful. So I don't know. I mean, I know it's, I don't think they're doing it in this. I don't know. Hopefully they're not doing it for recognition, but I see it as sharing their, their gratitude. Um, and I'm like, oh, so this is what they're going through and they're thankful because of that. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. That's why we started. We wanted to share the good news with others or some sad news uh, with others. Some people uh, really uh, prayerfully give kamsangam uh, and then they write their uh, comes a reason and then, oh that person went through that hardship uh, during that time 
So we kind of share in that way, yeah. So it, it depends on uh, how you do it, yeah. Did, did they say the amount? No, no. Okay. I remember that in the, past, <laughs> in, the Korean, in the Korean service, they used to say the amount. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, in the Korean service, yeah. <laughs> This dude gave a G. It was a long time ago, but they used to do that. Was, uh, only in Korean service, not in the English service. Yeah. No, yeah. we don't announce the amount. Yeah. yeah. We just pray for their prayer topics. Mm. So I guess every context is different too. And so we have to be aware of our context. And yeah, I mean, uh, what is uh, edifying ultimately for the community? Right. I think that's what it is. I think KSM, that, that helps build up the community. I mean, ESM, probably that wouldn't be the best uh, way to go about things, but, you know, we have to be aware of the context. Yeah. Okay, we don't have much time, so I would just want to go uh, through Camellia. Uh, In one way, what he said was prophetic. He said, let, let them be so. If it is from what they do is from God, and it's not from God, it will die. But if it is from God, you cannot stop it. And also you're going against God. In what way was it prophetic? Is this an obvious answer? Because it happened exactly like he said? What? It happened exactly like he said. This would this would happen. It's not kind of what prophetic, prophetic is. You say something and then it occurs. Yeah. I think us, us being together, that shows we're believers. So that's that was God's work, isn't it? What is what is it? That we're studying God's word, we're gathered together. Christians are yeah. still so that's two thousand years later. Yeah, we're still <laughs> learning uh, Jesus teaching so we're yeah. using phone yeah but yeah that's right but right his own disciple who is Paul experienced exactly that he thought that he was living for God that's why he went all the way to Damascus to destroy Christianity Christians imprison them and kill them but he realized on the road to Damascus, he realized that what he was doing was against God. That's why he realized that he thought he was righteous. He thought he was working for God, but he was going against God. And so he said he was sinner of sinners. His own, Gamaliel's own dis disciple experienced exactly that. Do you see that? So what he said became true in his own disciple. If it is really from God, then you are uh, going against God. That's what St. Paul realized. 
So, so Ingi Mosanin, do you know if he if he became a Christian? What? Do you know if he became a Christian later on in his life? Gamaliel? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Okay. But his disciple became a Christian, St. Paul. Yeah. So you I would think Paul would go back uh, and you would, you would think he would go back to his mentor and try to convince him, right? <laughs> I mean, this whole story of uh, St. Hadrian, uh, this story uh, came from St. Paul. And Luke is a, a converted by St. Paul. And so Luke heard from St. Paul. And St. Paul uh, heard this story from Gamaliel, from his teacher. And that's how Luke uh, wrote uh, this uh, whole scenario of uh, St. Hadrian. Do you understand what I'm saying? How would Luke know what they were talking about in Sanhedrin? Because Gamaliel was there and Gamaliel told St. Paul, his disciple, and St. Paul told Luke, and then Luke wrote it. Didn't Paul um, persecute after this incident? Yeah, after this incident. But he wasn't listening to his, his teacher? <laughs> What did you say? His teacher said, uh, let them be, not go against Yeah, them. yeah. Paul didn't listen to his teacher. <laughs> he was more zealous than... Yeah. Teacher. I mean, Paul comes out in chapter 9, right? Okay. And then lastly, as I, I mentioned about the joy comes from peace. Uh, that surpasses understanding. Even they were whipped, flogged, they rejoiced. That does not come from brain. That comes from the heart. They were happy and rejoiced only because they were able to participate in Jesus' suffering. They participated in Jesus' ministry. That's why they were overjoyed. That's the only joy that we have. Because we participate in Jesus' ministry. And that's why we are happy. Nothing will give us the joy and peace and happiness. Because we are doing, uh, participating in what Jesus did every day. That's why we are happy. That gives us the most joy. That gives me the most joy. Okay, that's it for today. And then next week, we are going to study uh, chapter six. But, you know, they brought uh, money at uh, apostles' feet. They started, uh, they, they did it, but so the, uh, the apostles had absolute authority at that time. But soon there's a problem. The apostles did not really see the need of uh, Greek widows. And so there was a problem in chapter six. So we are going to study chapter six next week. So, I mean, this early community is almost like utopia, but that didn't continue. You have to realize that this is a very particular time and particular community context. It's almost like a utopia 
out of the world kind of experience. But after that, the community was not like that all the time. Like Paul's church and all that, it wasn't like that. Uh, so you realize that. So a very powerful influence of the Holy Spirit right in the beginning. Okay, let's pray. Lord, send your spirit upon us. Take away our worries and anxiety, our stinginess, our dependence on security. Pour out your spirit upon us so that we may be generous, we may live a life of giving. Not only money, but also time, gift, energy, passion, our attention. Help us, O oh Lord, always to live a life of giving. Be with us, with us as we walk through this week. As we gather together on Sunday, may your spirit truly speak to us and inspire us and liberate us from all kinds of anxiety so that we may live freely proclaiming your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.